There's no such thing as guilty pleasures, only pleasures. And I think Van Helsing Prep is a real pleasure. You've seen it? Yes, in your character, it's reminiscent of Tess of the D'Urbervilles. Thank you. And welcome to an all-new episode of No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I'm your host, little-known cartoonist, (laughs) Ken Holtzhauser. And today we're going to go through some of the back alleys of pop culture and find pleasure in some of the strangest of places. So please, join us on this journey. Let's go! Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. I continue to be your host, little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser, and I'm here today to talk about, well, it's another childhood favorite, I think. Uh, This has, well, it has a lot going for it. It is, in fact, 1976's Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. This is going to be one of those boy-you-had-to-be-there kind of an episodes, I'm sure. But it was 1976, a great time to be a kid. If you were a nerdy kid like me who enjoyed comic books and sci-fi movies, um, and you were subsisting mostly off of reruns of The Adventures of Superman and the Adam West Batman TV series, Sid and Marty Croft had exactly the thing you were looking for. In 76, Sid and Marty Croft, who were, uh, well, since H.R. Puff and stuff in 69, they had become sort of the the king of live-action Saturday morning programming in the early 70s. Their big program was coming in 76. It was the Croft Super Show, uh, which was a series that was... uh, It was a blanket series that had many 15-minute episode programs. Uh, things like Dr. Shrinker, uh, which I dearly loved, or Wonderbug, uh, or the uh, half-hour adventures of Bigfoot and Wild Boy. And one of the programs that was part of the Croft Super Show was Electra Woman and Dinah Girl, created by Ruby Spears, uh, which was the adventures of a Batman and Robin knockoff, Electra Woman, played by Deidre Hall, and her young assistant Dinah Girl, played by Judy Strangis. The two of them had um, all sorts of uh, Batman-oriented adventures. Uh, They fought a variety of um, themed supervillains. My favorite, of course, being Glitter Rock. And you can almost imagine what he looks like just from the name. Uh, Or the Sorcerer or the Spider Lady or things like that. Um, They were good campy little adventures. Uh, Dinah Girl definitely was uh, 
channeling Burt Ward through all of her uh, Electra Wow kind of uh, enthusiasm and uh, s- slamming her fist into her palm with uh, punishing impact. There were roughly 12 minute, 12 to 15 minute episodes, which would end with much like Batman with our heroes involved in some sort of a terrible um, cliffhanger death trap that you could tune in next time to see how they got out of. And, um, well, it was, to me, it was a bonanza. Here it was, brand new superhero adventures, um, schlocky and gimmicky and fun, just like I wanted. And um, then it just sort of went away. It was a one-year phenomenon. There were Electra Woman and Dyna Girl puzzles and a variety of merchandise, and you could see them prominently displayed on the covers of some Croft Super Show comic books, but for whatever reason, nobody pulled the trigger to really go for Electra Woman and Dyna Girl. This was a concept that could have had a pretty lengthy, um, a pretty lengthy life. It is, uh, for people of a certain age, there may be some um, lascivious connotations with Electra Woman and Dyna Girl, and I can't help you there. Uh, I will say that if you're a kid and you wanted more um, bang, pow, zap Batman adventures, then this was the place to go. There were 16 of these uh, 15-minute episodes made, and they ran through the first season of the Croft Super Show. The Croft Super Show continued but it continued without Electra Woman and Dyna Girl. And I can't really I can't really tell you why. I know that at that same time, or around that same time, Deidre Hall was a star on the daytime soap opera Days of Our Lives, a favorite of my mother's. And her character was, uh, oh, what was it? It was Dr. Marlena Evans, I believe. And she was, um, well, she was the, the goody two-shoes of Salem, and uh, she wasn't a million miles away from Electra Woman to me. She had the giant sort of Dolly Parton hairdo, and um, that she continued on. Julie Strangest, I never saw her in anything. Uh, she would pop up in other TV series, uh, Room 222. She's in an episode of Batman, actually. Uh, there's, But uh, she was never one that really kind of went farther in a career. Um, she had a lot of youthful enthusiasm and she could play teenage pretty well, but, uh, there, I, I guess as the seventies was wearing on, there wasn't a lot of space for these kinds of performers. Um, the gimmicks were fun. The Electra enemies were fun. The Electra car was sort of like a, um, (laughs) like a rocket powered tricycle. It was fun. And it was just one of those odd things that um, had a huge footprint in pop culture despite only being around a very, very brief time. Electra Woman and Diner Girl was memorable. That theme song helped make it memorable, but um, there was never really a push to try to bring the program back. Until uh, around 2001, the WB decided they were going to take a crack at it. Their thought was that it was going to be a kind of a cynical sitcom about um, washed up, uh, drunken, floozy Electra Woman being dragged back into the superhero world by a brand new, uh, very um, 
young and perky new Dinah girl. And uh, Marky Post was the star. She was the Electra woman of that series. And a lot of people, uh, well, a lot of people didn't appreciate it. And it never, the pilot never went to series. If you've had a chance to see it, uh, the pilot is available on YouTube. In fact, I think all of the episodes of Electra Woman and Dinah Girl are available on YouTube as well. Um, just so you can see the shift in tone. The more cynical 2001 pilot is okay. I mean, you could see them turning it into a series, but you can also see that it wasn't going to last long. It had the flavor of that uh, mid-2000s television version of The Tick, which was, you could see that they were going to do clever superhero things, but it was just never going to catch on with a wide audience. Uh, in 2015, there was one more shot at reviving Electra Woman and Dinah Girl through a couple of YouTube personalities. Uh, Grace Helbig and Hannah Hart were going to do a reboot of Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. And much like the, uh, the WB 2001 version, they keep kind of the, the broad silhouette of the outfits, at least in the beginning. Both of the shows want to, um, to they stay true to your nostalgia for Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. But then, of course, this this 2015 version happened to be a little bit more, you know, cool and with it and now, and they get uh, more modern versions of the Electra Woman and Dinah Girl type outfits. And, um, well, I can't really say that it's terribly successful as a film or obviously as a way of jumpstarting Electra Woman and Dinah Girl as a series. It just... Um, it's just a thing that happened. In the mid-2000s, there was uh, some merchandise. Uh, Electra Woman got her very first action figure, which is very exciting. And in fact, it was part of a wave of sort of nostalgic Sid and Marty Croft properties getting action figures. You had Sigmund of Sigmund and the Sea Monsters or H.R. Puff and Stuff or Electra Woman. And uh, the people that have nostalgia for this property apparently don't buy things because there was never a second run <laughs> of these. Of these, so poor Dinah Girl gets nothing. Uh, Electra, aw. The series is out there. It's there for you to enjoy. In fact, in an era where you're looking for um, female empowerment superheroes. This is actually a pretty one to plunk down uh, some children in front of and let them watch because it is shockingly wholesome and silly. Uh, it has the same camp value that Batman has, uh, and it's 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 just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I would say if there was a criticism, they also have a sort of an Alfred type character who lives in their. Uh, Electra Cave, for lack of a better term. The Electra Lair has um, Professor Frank Heflin. Norman Alden played him, and you can see him in a bunch of movies and television series. He's famous in the superhero set because he had played Aquaman in the first couple of seasons of Super Friends. Um, he, I can, I can think of him in a lot of movies. For right, I said his name, and the first thing I think of is him behind a counter in Back to the Future when Marty McFly is asking for um, a Pepsi free or a tab and uh, him not going along with it. Um, 
it's a weird thing to associate an actor with, but there you go. There are no small parts, everybody. Uh, just small actors. The Electra Base was where Professor Heflin would work on new um, gadgets or new ways to do something with the Electrocomps, which apparently were able to do everything for them, which is probably your one major complaint about the series. They act very much as Batman's utility belt, where if they were ever in trouble, thank goodness, their electrocoms had some sort of beam that would come out of it that would fix everything, and some very rudimentary uh, green screen effects to set, to save the day. Um, Lori and Judy, the uh, true identities of Electra Woman and Dyna Girl, were interesting because they were both journalists, they worked for newspaper magazines, uh, which is, again, it's like a, a weird, there's a little bit of uh, Clark Kent getting into this, too. So there's there's a real comic book bona fide to the series, and I think it's worth uh, seeking out. If you want to see something silly, if you want to see something that little girls can latch onto and enjoy, do you want to see something campy and fun? Or maybe you're the kind of person who just wants to see women in spandex. I don't judge. I'm not here for that. I am here to tell you that Electra Woman and Dyna Girl is fun. It's worth your time. I mean, let's face it, 15-minute episodes, they're a breeze to get through. And they're easy to find on YouTube. And if anybody wants to, it's a property that is absolutely dying for a modern remake. But what do I know? I'm little-known cartoonist Ken Holtzhauser, and I'll see you next time at No Guilty Pleasures, a pop culture podcast. Looking for something new and exciting in comics? Perhaps that other dynamic duo, The Quick and the Dad. It's a love letter to the DC, Marvel, Archie, and Harvey comics of my youth. Available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com. Within the pages of The Quick and the Dad, you will find supervillains, dad jokes, strange, exciting worlds, really goofy supervillains, and bad puns. I promise. Each issue will delight and confound you in equal measure, and it's available now in print and digital from IndiePlanet.com.